0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, I don't know about you, but I have sure been enjoying reading the Proverbs every single day. It's unbelievable how much wisdom is found in the book of Proverbs. And as a church, man, I just feel like we're getting wiser. How about you? Now, today I want to share a message with you, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I am breaking some homiletical rules. Now, even in there, you're going, I lost you, Pastor. That's a word I'm not familiar with. The word homiletics, it refers to the art and the science and the spiritual act of preaching, of of presenting a message. And generally speaking, there are a few things that just help Things be more memorable. For instance, you know, sometimes pastors would say, here's three points, point one, point two, point three, and it makes it kind of easier. And if they really are doing well homiletically, they might all start with the same letter. It might be, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And there's this rhythm to it, and it's easily memorable, and you're never going to forget it. Well, today, man, I'm breaking some homiletical rules. I am actually preaching a message that I think is kind of a mess. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write down the title of today's message, God bless this mess. Can we pray together before we dive in? Jesus, I thank you that you're here with us. Now, wherever we're watching today, whether it's on YouTube or in a house party somewhere, that you are with us and you're for us. And because you've given us the Holy Spirit, things that are hard to understand or things that seem like they're a little bit messy, you can still make something beautiful out of them. So we say today, God bless this mess. May this message communicate truth to our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. When I read the Bible, I find often I'm asking myself some questions about what does it mean. Do you ask yourself that question? I sure hope you do, that when you read the Bible, you're saying, what does this mean? And when you read the Bible, you're saying, what should I do with this? Like, what's my next step? How do I respond to this? It's not just a cognitive practice. It's a uh, application. That's really where the power of preaching comes, is not in the information, but in the application. But you know, sometimes when I read the Bible, I also find that it's asking me questions. Do you ever find that? It's like the Bible's almost reading me. I'm looking at the words of Scripture, and I find it so pointed to my own life that... It's asking me questions and it's inquiring of me. I think that's a healthy place to be. When you read your Bible this week, even as you study the book of Proverbs, why don't you you engage in that dialogue? Ask questions of the Bible. What does this mean? And also let God's truth ask you some questions. You know, that's the Holy Spirit bringing illumination and life to the Word. This week in Proverbs chapter 14, I found myself being asked some questions and I found myself asking some questions. Now I told you this is a homiletical mess because I, I literally sat with the Bible open and thought, I am, I am overwhelmed by how much is going on in here. I'm overwhelmed by how relevant this is to our day. I'm overwhelmed by how much I can receive from this. And I'm also having to look for meaning in things. And I really think that's what studying the Bible ought to feel like. So if you have your Bible with you, open to the book of of Proverbs chapter 14, and we're gonna ask ourselves first just a couple of questions. In the first three verses, here's three questions. It won't relate to the rest of the message. It's just these first three verses. I told you, it's a mess, but God bless this mess. Look look at this, Proverbs chapter 14, starting in verse one. It says, a wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly, But those who despise him, uh, sorry, but those who despise him are devious in their ways. A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. I I wonder if you could. Here's three questions I found myself asking. I found the Bible maybe asking of me. First of all, what am I doing? Like in your life right now the decisions you're making can you stop pause and ask yourself the question what am i doing you see it says that that wisdom is like a woman with her own hands building her house and foolishness is like a woman with her own hands like tearing her own house down in other words part of what you live in the environment that you live in is created by the acts of your hands by the productivity of your hand ask yourself what am i doing there might be some things in your life that that need to change there may be some things that you don't prefer actually being there and if you stopped and paused and actually took account of it you could answer that question what am i doing and if you don't like what you're doing change it you see taking account of what you're doing and applying wisdom to what we're doing actually is making this decision and determination. I will be productive with what I do. I want to be productive. Second question that I find myself being asked, and maybe maybe you will as well. Where am I going? What's the direction of my life? Am I headed in a direction that I want to be going? If I were to stay here forever, would I be happy? If I were to continue in the pathway that I'm going, is that the way that I want to be going? Do you know that you and I, we make a decision and a determination on the direction of our life? The decisions we make moment by moment and day by day actually will dictate the destination that we go to. And part of God's destiny for your life is the journey towards that destination. So ask yourself the question, where am I going? Did you catch what it said in verse two? It says, whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly. Now, if I answer that question, what am I doing? It affects my productivity. It it, it answers that question, am I producing something that I could live with Or am I actually tearing down something that makes my life worse? When I ask myself the question, where am I going? I think it actually speaks to our posture. Did you catch that? It says that those who fear the Lord walk uprightly. They walk with good posture. They walk with a confidence where they go. They don't have to lurk in the shadows. They don't have to cower and they don't have to crawl. They can actually step up and put their shoulders back and walk uprightly. When I was growing up, my my grandma used to remind me, seemingly every time she saw me, to stand up straight, to stand with good posture. It's amazing how much it communicates about the confidence we have, the posture that we take. It also is amazing how much it affects our balance. It's amazing how much it affects our intake of oxygen. It's amazing how much it affects our ability to see the world around us by simply choosing to have good posture rather than being cowering down. And it says those who fear the Lord, those who make wise decisions, they actually are postured uprightly in the way they're going. I bet right now, even as you're hearing this, that somebody is adjusting the way they're sitting. I bet right now somebody who is slouching goes, oh, I got to fix my posture right now and I'm okay to be that little reminder for you. Let the Bible ask you the question, where am I going? Usually, These are pretty fundamental questions. What am I doing with my life? Where am I going in my life? Apply it to your career. What am I doing right now? and Where am I going? Am I happy with that? Apply it to your relationships. What am I doing in my family, in my marriage as a parent? What am I doing right now? And where am I going? And if at any point you're dissatisfied because you say, I'm not being productive with my actions, then change that. And if at any point you're unsatisfied because you say, you know what, right now I am not walking with confident posture. I'm not sure of my next step. I don't have peace in the, the way that I'm going. I'm just sort of wandering around. I find myself tripping on things. Then, Then change that. Like take the steps you know to take. One of the greatest decisions you could ever make is not to figure out what God's end goal for you is, not just to figure out where is God trying to take me in the future, but what is God asking of me now? What is my next step? Those who fear the Lord, those who have a relationship with God in right standing, those who have this desire to walk righteously actually get to walk upright. I don't actually know everywhere I will go in my life, but I'm pretty confident what my next step looks like. I don't know what life might throw at me. I don't know the 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 turns that I'll have to take. The valleys I'll walk through or the mountains that I will ascend. But I do know the next step of obedience that I need to take. Answering that question, where am I going, it affects the posture of the way you live. And then thirdly, ask yourself the question. This is what the Bible asks me. What am I talking about? Like really, what's the content of my talk? What, what, what comes out of my mouth? You know, Jesus put it this way. He said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Or you could say this, that when your heart is under pressure, what's inside comes out. In fact, it means this, that, that what you're saying actually is an indication of what's going on on the inside. That's why it's funny to me when people say, I know I said that, but it's not really my heart. Or you say, you know my heart. You know what I meant. The truth is, that the content of your heart is the content of what's coming out of your mouth under pressure. And I don't know about you, but this, this COVID-19 pandemic that we find ourselves in, it sure has put us under pressure, economically under pressure, in tight spaces under pressure, constricted, having to cancel things and feel some disappointments under pressure. So the content of what's coming out of my mouth, am I happy with it? What am I... What am I saying? You see what it said in verse 3? It says this, that a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. You see, what you're doing with your hands actually is about productivity. Are you happy with the productivity level in your life? What you're walking in, that, that direction that you're going actually affects your confidence, the posture you have, but the things you're saying either will hurt you or protect you. Now, you will see this theme throughout the Proverbs. You will see this theme throughout the, the wisdom literature of the Bible, that, that our words actually have power. In one other place, it says this, that your mouth has the power of life and death. It's, it's all over the place. It's actually like this fountain of life that flows from your mouth. It's the tree of life that flows from your mouth. It's over and over and over again. The words of the wise actually protect them. So if you find yourself maybe saying some things out of pride, maybe lashing out in pride, maybe saying things that are ignorant, but you're doubling down on your ignorance because there's some pride, well, you can change that. We can change that. And you say, well, it's hard to change. True. In fact, in the book of James, it says if anyone can control their tongue, it would be like controlling a ship. It would be like controlling a forest fire. It would be like controlling this impossibly powerful force. It's hard to just control your tongue. It's hard just to control your words, but we can control the content of what we put into our heart and our mouth, our words, is actually an indication of what we've been investing into our heart. So those three questions have nothing to do with what I want to share today. They're just three questions the Bible was asking me. I told you, this message is a mess, but God can bless this mess. Ask yourself, what am I doing? Where am I going? What am I talking about? On a really practical level, am I being productive with what I'm putting my energy towards? Am I walking with confidence because I know that I'm following God's next step of obedience for me? And are my words helping or harming that cause? Now we come to verse 4. And this is where the mess begins. Check this out. It says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. Now, probably, if you're like me, you haven't spent that much time with an oxen. Probably if you're like me, the the manger is a concept maybe that you only think of when you think of a nativity scene. Here is what is being said, is that if you have no oxen, which would be beasts of burden, you know, animals that get work done, it's actually easy to keep a clean, neat and tidy barn. But if you're getting some work done, you're going to have some mess, but it'll also bring some blessing. And you know, this is so true in my life and in your life. This is so true in our church. This is so true in our society. The neatest, cleanest, tidiest, most organized and controllable environment would be to simply do nothing. To like in every, like control every aspect of our life. So nothing's getting done and there's no Mess. But if real work is getting done, it will produce some mess. If real work is getting done, it's gonna get a little bit messy, but guess what? It brings an abundant harvest. You know, yesterday when I I got home from work, I, I came downstairs and I found that my kids had spread Lego out on the whole floor. They were looking for certain pieces to build certain sets. And if I just walked in in that moment, all you would see is mess. But what I choose to see is creativity taking place. What I choose to see is partnership taking place. What I choose to see is the, the little early steps of a vision. Oh, it's messy and it's loud. And when you step on one of those pieces, it leaves a mark. A- and it's chaos. But there's creativity in that chaos. Do you know what can happen often in, in a church setting? is we can be so care, uh, so careful about all aspects of quality that we actually indulge in control. And we take all the potential for mess out of our relationships and we end up just controlling. It can happen in, in a family. That that no one's allowed to step out of line, try any new thing, do any new thing, because with new things can come failure, and with failure comes mess. And so try nothing, do nothing. It's the most simple way to possibly live. The problem is that, that it never leads to blessing. In fact, there is a reward that only comes with risk. There is a blessing that only comes with mess. The easiest way to avoid ever letting someone hurt you is never have a relationship. Relationships can be messy, but they really do bring blessing. The easiest way to never be disappointed in a in a job setting or in a business is to stay unemployed forever. It'll be so neat, tidy, and organized. You never have to get up and go to work. The problem is, you'll never have the opportunity to live in the blessing of putting your hand to something that works. The easiest, neatest, cleanest, tidiest way to possibly do society is just make sure that everyone stays out of everyone's way. The problem is we'll never have the 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 blessing of collaboration that can only come with the mess of conflict. I want to say to us as a church, we're a mess, but God can bless this mess. As a leader, I'm a mess sometimes, but God can bless this mess. As a husband and as a dad, sometimes I'm just a mess. But God can bless this mess. And I believe right now maybe maybe you're feeling the same way. That there's some aspects of your life that are a little bit messy. And instead of just trying to organize them away, maybe understand that there's some blessing. And some of that mess is being produced because you're doing the real Work. Now I know there's a real organized person out there the type of person who loves a good new binder with some color coded folders with tabs on them and you got highlighters upon highlighters upon highlighters you got sticky notes to attach to other sticky notes to keep yourself completely organized Now I say the word mess and you're triggered already but I, w- I want to show you a few areas of our life kind of messy but God brings blessing in that mess. I promised you and told you that this message would be messy and here's where it starts to get real messy I don't have any easily memorable points from this point forward I'm gonna jump from you know one part of the chapter to the next from this point forward I want to just show you some of my thought processes as I read about this mess But I believe the work that that produces the mess will also produce and make way for the blessing So three things I want us to think about number one You can either work now or work later. Like you can work now, which will lead to ease later. Or you can have life easy now, which will lead to more work later. Let me show you a few verses in this chapter that lead me to that conclusion. Verse 6, it says this, A mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. You know what it's like? A mocker says, I'll figure it out myself. And in that thought process and that pursuit, they think it'll be easier if I just figure it out myself. Like the person who never looks at a set of instructions, maybe God is talking to me because I tend to avoid the instructions and just try to figure it out myself. But it says here that a discerning person actually finds that they come across knowledge easily. Now here's the work, become discerning. The hard work right now, the messy work right now is to develop discernment. But over the long run, it'll make learning new things easier. Look at verse 8. It says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Do you know what takes work? Thinking. Like thinking about what you do before you do it. It's this extra checkpoint of work. And it creates a little bit of mess in the moment. Uh, the The foolish person just wants to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, and deal with it later. But a wise person engages in that extra step, which it can feel like extra work right now, but God blesses that mess by bringing them into better ways and bringing them into the right steps. Look what it says in verse 12. It says this, There's a way that appears right, but in the end... It leads to death. In other words, the easiest decisions we can make can lead to some of the most disastrous outcomes. Like simply saying, I don't care whether or not it's right. I feel like it, so I will do it. That's the way that seems right. It just leads to death. Cutting corners seems right. It just leads to death. Hurting people, sometimes because they hurt us, seems right. It just leads to that lonely, isolated, dead kind of place. Look what it says in, in verse 14. It says this, the faithless will be fully repaid for their ways and the good rewarded for theirs. So it takes some work to be good. In fact, it's kind of messy to be good. It's easier to control just doing what you want to do. But in the end, you will be rewarded for the way that you live. Look at verse 15. It says this, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. You see what the Bible is saying? It takes more work. It's like oxen getting the work done. It's it's messy. It is effort, uh, efforted, and it takes energy to do the right thing, to stop, to consider, to think, to weigh out, to balance, to submit to God. All these things take A little more work but in the end they lead to the ease of blessing god can bless this mess look at what verse 23 says all hard work brings a profit but mere talk leads only to poverty you know what's easy talk do you know what's effective work talk is cheap talk is easy Talk is actually real neat and clean and tidy. I can tell you all the ideas I have and never actually have to mess anything up. But you know what it takes? Work. Work. But it leads to blessing. God can bless this mess. Look at verse 24. It says, The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. This is hilarious to me. It's triple foolishness. The foolishness of foolishness y- yields more foolishness. In other words, you find yourself going from foolish to foolish to foolish. It's the easy way to go, but it makes way more work in the long run. My, my my grandmother, I talked about one grandmother who talked about my posture. My other grandmother had this famous saying. She used to look and see something that was happening in society that made no sense or happening in someone's lifestyle that just made no sense. And she referred to it this way. That's ignorance that has gone to seed. She was saying that's foolishness That is now yielding a crop of more foolishness. That's a promise in scripture. That foolishness leads to more foolishness, leads to more foolishness. Foolishness is easy right now, but it leads to more desperate situations in the future. So I don't know about you. Why don't we just make the commitment to put the work in now so we can enjoy the benefit later. Lastly, verse 32, it says this, when calamity comes, the wicked are brought down, but even in death, the righteous seek refuge in God. See, the promise to all of us is that calamity is coming. Hard times are coming. Difficult times are coming. But those who are righteous, they actually find hope in God instead of being brought to destruction. So, so repeat with me. God bless this mess. Oh, come on. Say it out. Even verbally where you're at. You're watching in a screen by yourself. Why are you talking to a screen? Come on. Say it with me. God bless this mess. See, the truth is I would rather put in the work it takes so I can enjoy the the blessing of that work later rather than avoiding the work now and seeing the hardship that is brought later. Second thing I want to say, and you will say this has nothing to do with the first thing. I told you it was going to be a mess, is this. Feelings don't have to be right to be real. Come on, think about that for a minute. Your feelings don't actually have to be right to be real. You can be really feeling something. It just doesn't mean that that feeling is right. Just because you're feeling it doesn't mean that it's trustworthy. Do we have any feelers here today? Like anyone who you feel deeply like like you get offended really deeply when you're offended. You get excited really significantly when you're excited. When you get scared, you startle quickly. When, when, when you're sad, everyone knows it. And maybe you, you showcase it in a way. You're like, it's one of my strengths. I just wear my heart on my sleeve. But the truth is, you just feel a lot of things. Well, the Bible actually speaks to this, that there's some mess in discerning and discovering emotion, but there's also blessing in getting this right. Look at what it says in verse 10. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share in its joy. What the Bible is trying to tell us is this, that your feelings are for you to process. Your feelings are not someone else's job to figure out. Do you know it's not your wife's job to figure out what you're feeling? It's not your husband's job to be able to read your mind. It's not your parents' job, nor is it your child's. It's not your coworkers or your bosses, or your employees. It's not your neighbor, or your friend, or your, your cousin. Like, it's no one else's job. It's your job. No one else can feel the things you're feeling, either for good or for bad. And so we need to own our own emotions. And we need to understand that they are powerful in their pull. And they can either pull us towards what is right, or they can pull us towards what will destroy us. Now, really feeling emotions, processing emotions, it can be a little bit messy. Probably the easiest, neatest, cleanest, tidiest thing to do would be to just shut our emotions off. The problem is we wouldn't actually get any work done. And if we're not getting any work done, it leads to no blessing. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may actually end in grief. Here's what it's saying is that sometimes the easiest thing to do would just be to feel Feel some feelings and follow your feelings. But even like positive, joyful-seeming, laughter-type emotions can lead to heartache. So don't just choose the thing that feels the easiest right now. Engage in the mess of doing the hard thing and making the hard choice because it'll lead you to, to more health and to more growth. One example would be this. Someone's hurt you. They apologize to you, they bear their heart, they repent, they say, what I've done is wrong. And instead of forgiving them, you say this, oh, it's fine, no big deal, didn't matter, I'm good, it's okay. And what's, what's taken place here is you've actually, instead of letting that area in your life heal, you've just sort of pushed it to the side. You've shoved the, the potential for pain away and you've chosen the, the momentary lightheartedness of just choosing to be happy. The truth is that can lead you to more grief later. So engage in the mess. Do the work and and live through that mess. God can bless this mess. Verse 16 says this, The wise fear the Lord and they shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Now sometimes you say, the feelings I'm feeling are really real, and so I'm just going to go with them. But the truth is, those feelings, just because they're real, doesn't mean they're right. Like being a hot-tempered, quick-tempered person will lead you into all sorts of traps. Just saying what you're feeling in the moment without weighing out your words can be a pretty dangerous place to be. So engage in the mess of processing angry emotions. You know what, you know what Paul said? He said, not never be angry, but he said, in your anger... Don't sin. I will tell you, it is messy to feel angry emotions, to feel negative emotions, and still choose positive decisions. It it takes work, and work produces some mess, but it also brings some blessing. Verse 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Verse 29 says this, Whoever is patient has great understanding but one who's quick-tempered displays folly. In verse 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. Vivid church, can we be the type of people who put the work in to solving the emotional piece of our life, not being dictated to by our emotions, but also understanding that just because they're real doesn't make them right? Like to really deeply, truly feel, to process with integrity the things that we're feeling, but then make decisions Based on the values that we share. To make decisions based on our convictions. Not just momentary, fleeting, passing emotions. It says the one who's developed that type of patience. It's like life. But envy can rot the bones from the inside out. I don't know about you. I I choose life. I'm going to really truly feel. It's way more messy to really truly feel. It's easier to just put on a fake smile and pretend it away. The problem is it won't lead to real, true, vibrant, blessed life. When it comes to the area of your emotions, maybe like me, you could just say, I'm a mess sometimes. But God can bless this mess. Third thing, and lastly, I want to say this. We need new systems. We need new systems. Like for weeks. And if we're being more, more honest for years, and if we're being really brutally honest for centuries, we've had this dialogue in society that we need new systems. We've got some, some distorted systems. We've got some oppressive systems. We live in, in some unjust, unethical systems. We have systems that perpetuate racism and classism. We have systems that leave people isolated and systems that are created to divide. We need new systems. The truth is, systems are built to eliminate mess. But what happens is this, that we can end up just following in in, in the rules of a predetermined system, and we actually walk out of the place of blessing that God wants us to be. And so instead of just critiquing the systems, friends, we need new systems. And it's going to take work to create some new systems. It's going to be messy to create new systems. But there's blessing in store, and God can bless that mess. Let me show you just a few of the systems exposed in this very chapter. Verse 7. It says this, stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge in their lips. For some, we need a new system of developing friends. We need a new system of choosing who our crew is. We need a new system of determining who the inner circle in our life is. Because if you spend time with a fool, oh, you're not going to find any knowledge there. Down to verse 9, it says, a fool mocks at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Do you know what? Here would be a, a good system like a good new system to establish. When we've done something wrong, we need not only to acknowledge that what we've done is wrong, not only to repent that what we've done is wrong, but actually make effort to make amends for what is wrong. To not just say sorry, but to follow through with, how can I make this right? That would be a messy new system to engage in. But I'm telling you right now, God can bless that mess. It would be easier to avoid the the things that are unjust, to avoid the systems that are broken, to not think about what we don't you know, feel happy, warm, fuzzy, butterfly and marshmallow feelings about. That would be the easiest, neatest, cleanest and tidiest. It's messy to get in there and build some new systems. But if we would build new systems, God's got blessing in store for us. Look what it says here in, in verse 20 and 21. It exposes a system of the world. It says, the poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Then it goes on to say this, that's the system, but here's God's system, which is messier and takes more work, but it also brings blessing. It says this, it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Do you catch that? If you're poor, naturally, you lack friends. And if you're rich, naturally, people, you know, gravitate towards you because people have this system in mind that, that I want what I can cash out right now. But God actually brings blessing to those who care for those in need. And he says it's wrong to shun your neighbor based on what they have and don't have. It's essentially just exposing, don't go through with just the systems around you because they seem like they're normal and they seem like everyone does them. And just because it's normal doesn't make it right. Man, get, get messy. Get your hands dirty. Create a new system. Let God bless that mess. Verse 31, it says this, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt to their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Vivid Church, let's honor God. Let's choose kindness to those in need. Let's stand up for what is right. Not just standing against what is wrong, but making moves towards what is right. Not just exposing, that's oppression, that's wrong, that's unjust, but actually stepping up to do what is fair and equitable and kind and just. Let's show honor to God. Let's, let's honor the Lord in the way that we show kindness to others and then lastly verse 34 it says righteousness exalts a nation but sin condemns any people i really believe it's the heart of god to bring honor to our nation And he says that this is like a weird patriotic nationalistic thing you're saying no no it says this that it brings honor to any people doing what's right brings honor to any people god loves all people god loves every nation He he loves people in every era. For God so loved the world that he gave. He he loves humanity. He loves people. And it's his heart to pour blessing into our life. And he is saying this. I want you to choose right paths. They're messy. But they bring an abundant harvest. I want you to really do the work. Like like a group of oxen working together. Sure, there's going to be mess. Sure, you're going to step on some toes. Sure, it's going to take more effort than just going with the flow. But there's also more blessing there. Now, let me ask you, did I follow through on my promise? That was a messy sermon, wasn't it? <laughs> there's no flow. There's no memorable first letters of things that have this, you know, uh, alliteration that helps us to remember them. But this is kind of the way I read the Bible. I ask it some questions and I let it ask me some questions. Like, what am I, what am I doing and where am I going and what am I saying? And then when it comes to the mess, God, I would rather work hard now, empowered by your spirit, to enjoy the blessing that you promised later than to live in ease now and miss out on that great eternal blessing. Oh, God, I would rather deal with and allow my emotions to be part of what you want to use to bless me than to to put them to the side or to put them in the driver's seat and let them control my life. Just because it's real doesn't make it right, so give me discernment to develop an understanding of what you're leading me into. And then, God, help us to create new systems. We need better systems for your name, for your glory, for our nation, for ourselves, for our children, for the oppressed and those who are, are shunned, for those who are lonely and broken. We need better systems. So help us to make right choices day by day, moment by moment, to be the type of people that command the blessing that you promised from heaven. Can I pray for us? Like, like wherever you are today, I wanna to pray for you. Because I have thrown out so much scripture and it's all a mess. But I believe God can bless that mess and quicken in your spirit one thing, two things, three things that you can put into practice. And here's the thing, when we put God's word into practice, we see immediate and eternal benefits. So Jesus, I pray right now for every person who's watching this right now, or every person who's listening to this right now, those who are in a group setting, pondering and processing this together, and those who are by themselves, taking notes, thinking this through, I ask right now, God, that you'd bring blessing, that the things we do would be productive, that the, the way we're going would be postured with confidence. That the words we speak would bring protection to our life. And in the midst of our mess, God, bring your blessing. I thank you that we don't have to have our act all together in order to experience the fullness of your blessing. So bless us, we pray. Help us to do the things you're calling us to do. Help us not only to understand wisdom, but to live it out and see the blessing and the abundant harvest that is in store for us. And right now, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to pray with you because he loves you and he's called you according to this great purpose he has for your life. And he doesn't hold your sin against you. If you would acknowledge and repent, here's the beautiful thing. Remember I said it's good to make amends. When it comes to our salvation, we do not need to make amends. We simply need to receive grace. That's the only thing they're that Jesus is asking because he's made a way for us to receive the redemption and the life and the wholeness that comes with him. So if that's you and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can pray a prayer of faith just like this. Jesus, I acknowledge I'm wrong. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need your salvation, your freedom, and your grace. I thank you that you love me, and I receive it now. I believe in you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, you are now saved, and because you're saved, you are safe, and God has reworked your destiny, and He's aiming you towards an incredible purpose, and we would love the honor to walk that out with you. If you'd take a moment, even in our chat, let us know. I prayed that prayer. We want to encourage you in your next steps. And for all of us, guys, doing the work of wisdom is going to be messy, but God can bless this mess. I love you so much. We'll see you next week. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church. Or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.